whilst all week we've been out there walking in a world that's very far away from you in its ideas, in its ideals, in its ethics and values, in its understanding and outlook. Whilst we've been out there walking through, almost sometimes like a cesspit, we thank you today, together, you are here to wash our feet. Oh God, Jesus, you are here. That part of our body that's in constant contact with a dusty, old, world-beaten road. You come to us today and you wash us. And some of us here this morning, Lord, might, rem- might rem- resemble brokenness, hurt and pain. It seems like our life may be like an open sore. We thank you that it's you that comes to us even on the road of life, Lord. the oil and the wine and kneeling at our side when others have passed us by and looked judgmentally on. It's you carrying us, medicating our wounds. And Holy Spirit, we thank you right now as you wash over this place. You come Not to see what we can bring to you. But you come loaded, loaded with blessing. All of heaven's resources at our aid. With every promise available that we have access to. Because you say, because of what Christ has done. It's yes and amen to all of it we thank you for the great and precious promises that Peter speaks about that they're ours they're ours by covenant by shed blood and Lord it's like we hold a book of blank checks in our hand all signed by you we thank you Lord for it In Jesus' name, amen. Come on. Let's give him a shout this morning. Let's give him a cheer before you sit down. Woo-hoo! Fantastic. You may be seated. Well, 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 well. What a week Faye and I have had. We, um, Tuesday, we went to Turkey for a couple of days for a leadership symposium with Scott Wilson and a number of leaders uh, around Europe. And I'm telling you now, we had a really, really blessed time, a fantastic time. Wonderful to be encouraged by other leaders, by other pastors, and just to hear what's happening in churches all over Europe. I'm telling you now, it's wonderful to see the fire of God in other men of God and women of God's lives. I tell you, it fires you up. 
And um, we've got great days ahead of us. You know, just God linking us, uh, linking us up, joining us up with people from all over Europe, pastors, great churches from all over Europe. And in the days and the months and the years to come, we're going to be having those people and hosting those pastors here in this church. So get excited, church. God is so good. He really is. But um, do you know, while I was on the plane, I was just, you know, just talking to the Lord about you. And uh, my mind went back. See, I want you to know this morning just how much... I know you know this, but I suppose I think he wants us to know it again. I was just talking to the Lord, and um, I was thinking about when we started praying for people here last week. You know, we, we just called and invited people to come to the front who had sicknesses in their bodies. Whether it be fear in the mind or sickness in their bodies. And I just started to just pray and say to the Lord, Lord, I pray. I looked, I could, I could remember people's faces. I could remember the pain on some people's faces. Saw some ladies crying. I saw the expression of uncertainty on other people's faces as I looked into their eyes. And I heard the stories about some circumstances from others. And I was on the plane. I said, Lord, I said to your people that you said, if I lay my hand on their head, that they will recover. I said, Lord, we laid hands on each person. Please let them recover. Do you know what he said to me? Do you want to know? Because his answer came so quickly, so forcefully, but gently. He said, son, when you released your hand, my hand remained. Come on, church. When you released your hand... My hand remained. And I want to say to you this morning, just as we begin this, it's not dependent on any man's hand. I can tell you, God uses a weak, frail, broken, scarred, sinful hand. And when that hand is released, His hand, His hand of healing, His hand of peace, his hand of blessing, his hand of more than enough, his hand of supernatural care and comfort, his hand of intimacy remains. So you have been walking around all week, maybe wondering, did it happen? Oh, it happened. Oh, it happened, church. His hand is on you. His hand will never leave you. My hand may never touch you again. But as a result of you coming for that invitation and as a result of your faith 
being actuated by the Word of God. He said, you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. My hand is as dead as yours, friend. My hand can do nothing but his hand. Oh my God, his hand can do anything. His hand's on you. See it. Believe it. Not because I'm saying it, but because he said it. I've nothing good to say about my hands. They can do nothing. But what his hands can do, oh, what his hands can do. And I want again this morning for us to focus our mind, focus our attention on the words that Jesus spoke, just one little sentence that opened such a big window into his life internally. When he said, I have come not to be served, but to serve. He has hands that will serve you. My hands are selfish hands. Your hands, I won't talk about yours, I'll talk about mine. My hands are selfish hands. I will not point to my hands and say that anything good can come as a result of my hands. But his hand, oh, what he can do. What he can do with his hands. He held bread, as we've said, five little loaves. And when they came into contact with his hands, and he blessed them, and he broke them, and he distributed what he had. Blessing comes from his hands. When that meager amount of material came into the hands of his disciples, they looked at it. And their words over it was, what good is this amongst so many? What can this do? Why did they say that? Because they were holding it. They had it in their hands, you see. Their hands could do nothing. But when you take that meager amount and you place it into his hands, the one who is full of grace, the one who is full of truth, the incarnate word of God. John, in his opening chapter, gets straight to the point and he says, the word of God dwelt among us. Oh, we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten son of God. We saw it with our eyes, he later tells us in his epistles. We touched him. We held him. God in the flesh, incarnate, Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. He comes to serve. He comes to touch you with his hand. Whatever you put in his hand gets transformed. It gets taken from its lowly place. I'm not supposed to be speaking on this this morning. I was going to Psalm 23. Marcy has got it ready, loaded to fire up. But whatever comes into his hands, the order of it, the nature of it, the history of it changes. History can change in his hands. Your story can change in his hands. Can change in his hands when he takes it, you see. 
And you do your research, you good little Bible students. Go home, check me out. The little boy came. He handed it out because they had nothing. Jesus had said to his disciples, Feed them, boys. I'm going to give you a little bit of on-the-job training, boys. Let's see if you're ready for the kingdom of God. Let's see if you are expectant as I am. Let's see if your spirit is charged. Let's see if you've gone into another realm where time and space cease to exist. Let's see, boys, if you're able to interpret what the Father is saying right now, where all of these needy people are, where all of these hungry people are, where all of these people are desperate. They've been with me for three days, hanging off every word. Over to you, boys. I've done my job. They need some feeding, boys. Can you hear now, boys, what the Father is saying? Remember, I only do what, my, what I see my father do. I only say what I hear my father speak. Father's speaking, boys. Can you hear him? Or is your life and your mind captivated by the noise of the crowd? Is the busyness, the hustle and the bustle, the noise of the crowd captivating you and keeping you bound to earth? Or are you able to raise your antenna up and listen to the other voice, the still small voice that often gets drowned out and stamped upon? Are you able to look beyond Sky TV boys, are you able boys to go beyond Google? Are you able boys to go beyond the surf of the internet? Are you able to to untangle yourself from the web and soar like an eagle into his presence and know what this world needs, boys? Are you able to break open your soul and let your spirit soar and know the will of God and say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Are you able, boys? And they recoil. Why? Because they're bound to the ground. Their spirit has never soared into the glorious presence of God. Bound. Held down. Evan Roberts, a Welshman, a Welshman said, I went into a place where time and space ceased to exist. He left the earth. He turned the channel. He stopped listening to the voices of his time and became aware of the one voice that can change a nation, that can break the power of sin and darkness, that can turn men and women back to God again. And he tuned everything out. And he got God on his channel. And he said, I went into a place where time and space ceased to exist. He soared like an eagle. He spread his wings. Wings that we all have. Ready for liftoff, church? Woo! Are you ready for liftoff? I'm not just talking about on a Sunday. I'm talking every day. 
Are you ready to be overtaken, possessed by the Spirit? Whereby you hunger and thirst. Whereby you pant like a deer after the living God. Whereby you hunger and you thirst and you almost become depressed inside because there's an agony of heart. Oh God, I need you. (laughs) Oh God, I want you. Everything I desire is in you. No wonder they said, we are strangers down here. We are aliens down here. We're from another planet. I'm here to prove that aliens are real. There's one on the stage talking to you right now. Hallelujah. If you ever wondered, if you ever wondered if there's an alien, I'm here to tell you there is. I'm from another country. My ancestors are in glory and they're championing us, championing us all on. And they're ready with excitement at what's about to erupt, explode and land on this nation. On this nation. And it is not by might, it is not by power. But it is by my spirit, says the Lord. And his name will be praised. And he will be exalted. For what he will do. What he will do. So where are you, boys? That which is flesh is flesh. That which is spirit is spirit. That's what the Bible says. So... Are you in the flesh? Or are you in the spirit, boys? Let's find out. Give you a little t- opportunity. Sometimes I've had some challenges in my life. And they've been little tests. Little opportunities from God. And they've been hidden and disguised. And they've been there to see whether I'm in the flesh or whether I'm in the spirit. Sometimes I've been in the Spirit. But can we be honest in church this morning? More times than not, I've been in the flesh. More times than not, this natural old way of thinking has kicked in and said, you can't do it. You won't do it. This isn't you. They see all the crowds before them. And they recoil. They can't see. It's as if they're blind. And Jesus has an audience with heaven. He knows that the pleasure of the Father is on him. And because he's so certain and so founded in the fact that the pleasure of the Father is on him, power can release from his spirit. At any given moment, into any given situation or circumstance, power and resolve and kingdom answer and heaven can be released through his spirit. Why? Because the curtain of his soul has been ripped. And if you want to move in the spirit, if you want to be that gushing, overflowing vessel that God wants to take to this world, the curtain, the wall of your spirit has to be rent.
Your spirit is full of God. So what's holding it in? What's holding it back? Your soul. We focus so much on our soul. Our soul needs food. It feeds here. It feeds there. The trouble is, most of the food that our soul feeds on is not from the table of God. It's not from the rich available promises that he places before us. No, we go out beyond the table and our soul is entertained. Our soul is made up and built up. Let me explain it like this. A number of years ago now, we had an early morning prayer meeting in this church. There's only a few of us there. And... uh, Richard Bowyer came in. And he said, I've got a word from God for this prayer meeting. I've got a word from God for this church. He said, God has showed me a huge damn wall. And he said, there's little cracks in the wall. And he said, he said I can see the water going through the cracks, just little, ever so little trickles going down the wall. He said, but the size of the the wall, the strength of the wall, he said, it will be broken down. It will release that which is behind it. Oh man, we praise God that day. We started to curse that wall. We started to pray against that wall. We started to ask Jesus in his name to break that wall. And let forth all of the resources. Because behind that wall, there is healing. Behind that wall, there is salvation. Everything lies behind that wall. Revival, awakening, whatever you want to call it, friends. Everything is behind that wall. God, the move of the Holy Ghost, it's all behind that wall. Two, three weeks later, Richard will bear me witness. A man walks in. He says, I've got a word from God. I don't come from this prayer meeting. He traveled some miles. He said, bring it. Bring it. We want to hear the word of the Lord. Because we want to be enabled to pray. He said, I see a great damn wall. Didn't he, Rich? He said, I see a great damn wall. You see, I'm telling you, friends. God is very, very, very committed to building his church. He is not building business empires. He is not building great names for people. He is not building anything else than his church. Jesus said, I have come to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus Christ is not going to put his time, his commitment, his energy, his resources into building anything else than his church. My God, that's the only thing I want to be committed to in these days. I do not want to come to the end of my life on my deathbed and think, well, I built a great house. I built more barns and more barns like that man and be carried to a place that is not In his presence. Jesus is very serious about this church. Let me tell you, friends. He's very serious about what's going to happen in the days ahead. He's very serious about the the nation of Wales. 
Extremely serious. I'm telling you, I'm preaching by the Spirit of God this morning. I know it's passionate. Please, there's no anger in my spirit, but there is passion for God. There really is. There really is. And the man came in and he reiterated and repeated word for word what Richard said. By the Spirit of God, he said, I see a wall. He said, but behind that wall is all of the resources of heaven. He said, I see cracks in the wall. And water is coming out. So anyway, I ring Richard up a few weeks ago. I said, Richard, I hear the ache of the wall. I hear the wall groaning. I hear the voice of protest in the wall, Rich. It's almost like a last stand. It's almost like the wall is doing everything it can to resist all of the blessing, all of the overflow, all of the abundance and miracle and sign and wonder and supernatural that's behind it. The wall, I can hear it moving and creaking. Didn't I, Rich? I can hear it. I can hear it, Rich. I can feel it, Rich. Well, I haven't even told Richard this one. (sighs) Put the phone down. Then the Holy Spirit, the one who leads you into all truth. Jesus said, I will send you a comforter, one just like myself who will stand by your side. He's with you. Don't ever doubt it. When you walk out of this place today, you are walking down the street into your home, into every situation of life with the King of Kings by your side. Hold your head up high. Smile. Look it face to face in the eyes of every problem, knowing that the King is with you. If you're struggling in any area of life, bring the King in. Woohoo! Bring him in. Why should you struggle with life on your own? My God, why should we strain and worry and strive in our minds as to what we will do? He's done it all. He's with you. He will bring you into all truth. And he'll even tell you about things to come. Woo! What a package. So he started to speak to me. He said, Dave, do you want to know what the wall is? Yes. Yes. I need to know what the wall is. Tell me what the wall is. Because I can hear it creaking. I can hear it protesting. I can hear it resisting everything that's behind it. And I know that you're behind it, Lord. He said, the wall is the veil of your soul. It's your soul. It's your soul that's holding me back. It needs to be broken. It needs to be rent. It needs to be opened so that I can come out 
in all of my fullness, in all of my abundance. We are not waiting for revival to land on us. We are waiting for revival to come through a rent soul, a broken soul, so that people can be healed, people can be made whole, and salvation can come all across this land. Evan Roberts went into a place where time and space ceased to exist. His soul was rent by God. And he said in that moment, when I was in his presence, I would have gone the length and breadth of Wales and told every man, woman, and child what God has showed me. And I would pay God if it was possible to do it. Well, they did. And they didn't have to pay God. A rent soul. Abundance flowed. Blessing flowed. In under 12 months, over 250,000 people saved. A move in Korea and countless moves around the globe resulted as as, as, as consequence of the blessing that came from that man's life. What did Jesus say in John chapter 12? A woman came and she had an alabaster vase and and the marble alabaster vase was the prize to everybody's eyes. And many would just look at the alabaster vase as an ornament. That's the object of value. Many times our soul is like that alabaster vase. It's been crafted, it's been worked to hold the material that's inside it. But let me tell you, it's not the alabaster vase that's the prize. It's when it's broken. It's when its aroma and its perfume goes right throughout the house that blessing comes. When it's broken. Everybody in the building can't deny the presence of something extraordinary, something wonderful. Oh God, let Jesus break your soul. And if you don't know how to break it, ask him to start today. He knows how to break it. He knows how to use every circumstance, every event, and everything in front of you. Is it painful? Of course it is. When your desires and your affections are towards things that would lead you down a road towards something else. And God starts to turn off the affections inside you. Of course it is. And you say, I can't do that anymore. I don't want to go there anymore. It's like what Pastor Ray said. Suddenly you awake to a new righteousness and you just can't sin anymore. What's one of the hardest things for a a Christ follower to do? One of the things that's almost impossible for a believer to do with the new nature in them is to sin. It's to walk contrary to the one that's leading you. It's a wonderful strength to have. To have dominion over sin. Through Christ Jesus. It's wonderful to know that when we do sin, there's an advocate in heaven. What is he doing? Serving us. Even in heaven, friends, he's an advocate. What does an advocate do? He speaks well of us. He says, Father, they sinned. Yes, they did that. Oh, it was wrong. It was shameful. But, oh, God, hold it to my account. I paid for it in full. Yes, son, that's right, you did. 
Don't tell me Jesus isn't serving us. He told you, didn't he? He's building you a mansion. I'd say he's busy at work so you can rest. So that when you get there, you've got something to live in. But the soul, you see, the alabaster vase needs to be broken so the perfume, the perfume can come out and fill the room. I wonder if we took this whole church as an alabaster vase and broke it, what the nation would feel, the aroma of it. And there is an aroma coming from this place in Jesus' cares. And it started with breaking open the soul. In that very chapter, it's interesting, in John chapter 12, Jesus said, a kernel of wheat, a kernel of wheat, unless it goes into the ground and dies, it will remain alone. But if it goes down and dies, much, much, much will be the fruit. The outer husk of the seed, if it remains unplanted, goes unbroken. But the outer husk representing the soul, the moment that it goes into the soil and becomes broken, starts to grow and germinate and the temperatures of the soil and the changes in the seed is transformational. Jesus, yes, was pointing to agriculture, the deeper lesson. He's pointing to our lives. Are you willing for your soul to die? What do I mean by that? Well, I think Jesus exemplified it in the garden when he said, not my will be done, but thy will be done. When his will becomes apparent to us, there will be, believe me, a conflict of interest. So they're there in the field. We're going to finish. James is going to come. And then we're going to go home. And we're not just going to be hearers of the word. But we're going to be doers of the word. And we're not going to get on a religious treadmill. And we're not going to get on our little hamster wheel and start running like crazy and praying and fasting. No. He'll take charge. He'll break the bread and distribute it in his way. They're there. Feed them, boys. Excuse me, Jesus. Last time I looked, there was no shops here. And another thing, Jesus... Last time I looked, we didn't have any money in the wallet because Judas has been nicking it. Naughty boy. So it's gone into his back bin. And anyway, Jesus, offerings have been down a little lately. Because when you said, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to drink of my blood and eat my flesh. People didn't like that. So we're having a bit of a dip. There's not any investment, Jesus, going on. So a year's worth of wages wouldn't do it, and we haven't really got anything to bring to the table, but we have got a little boy's lunch. And if they'd have left it there, 
it would have been fine. But you see, the soul has to add. The soul has to inform him. Oh, how foolish we are when we try to inform him. How foolish we are. We should just be slow to speak and quick to hear as the Bible commands us. And I do not point my finger at them, believe me, because I would have been up there saying, Jesus, what good, what good is this? And he says, give it to me, give it to me. It's a bit like your life. Your life really, like my life, believe me. If you want to talk about me, we can talk about me. doesn't amount to much. amounts to nothing. But I gave it to him, you see. My hands could do nothing with my life. My hands, I can tell you about 15 years about my hands messing my life up. But when my life was handed into his hands, just like that, loaves and fishes, a meager amount... What good can that life do? What good, they've said, can you do? What good can you do? Look at you. You haven't got a job. What good can you do, and you haven't got a job? Ha! What good can you do? You haven't got any education. What good can you do? You have got an education. But let the critics be silenced because of who's holding you. You're in his hands, just like the bread. And when something comes into his hands, anything can happen. Oh, anything can happen. The next time the devil tries to remind you about your history, the next time the devil tries to condemn you, just say, look at whose hands are holding me. Your life's in his hands. Do you remember the moment when you went into his hands and you felt the peace? And he blessed you. Like he blessed the bread. Check it out. He blessed it. Father, thy will be done. I've heard your voice. My spirit has soared. The soul has been put aside. And now I will bring your kingdom. And your kingdom will come and they will see it. He blessed it. That was it. Once he blessed it. When God blesses something, the supernatural power of God goes into operation. That's what blessing means. When God blesses something, He empowers it to prosper. He empowers it to be something other than what it is because He's spoken Himself into it. He blessed it. He's blessed you. He has blessed you. You're empowered to be far more than what your history tells you you've been. Why? Because he's blessed you. Yes, but I'm old. Irrelevant, friends. Irrelevant. You're blessed. Empowered to prosper supernaturally by the word of God. And after he blessed it, he broke it. Have you ever been broken? Have you ever been in the misunderstanding and the confusion of life? Feeling all of these forces hitting you and coming against you. And God's in it all.
What is he doing? He's breaking you, getting ready to distribute you to a nation that's hungry, to a nation that needs you, to a neighbor that's, that's in agony and hurting. You've been blessed. You've been broken. And now you're going to get distributed out into a lost and a dark world. That's what he did with his disciples. He broke every single one of them. But after he broke them, he distributed them by saying, Go ye into all the world, preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. And suddenly, as they were distributed all over the then known world, the momentum and the power and the speed of it hit the world and darkness fled. And the light of the kingdom of heaven came. And God was glorified. Let me tell you, Anything can happen in his hands. Amen. We're going to close right there. Let's give him a shout this morning. Woohoo! Are you ready to be broken, church? Let's stand to our feet. Are you ready for the, the, the curtain of your soul to be rent? Are you ready for that damn wall? You may have heard the protest and the creaking and the resistance of it, trying to hold back the power of an infinite God in your spirit, Jesus Christ. Father, we ask you right now, Lord, you know I did not intend to speak prophetically this morning. But Lord, I just... Lord, felt your voice above my voice. It matters not what I say. It matters what you say. I am the messenger, not the message. I am the postman, not the post. I, Lord, want to always be an unidentified, not flying object, but unidentified person. Jesus, just a post, faithfully post in the hearts of your people, the male. God, I've been passionate this morning. Lord, I pray that that would not in any way feel offensive or untoward to your people. But Lord, I pray that they would receive it in the way that you delivered it through me. Let's lift our hands. We're going to sing to him right now. In Jesus' name.